I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on episode 92, the 670s BC. Uh, but before we start, we're going to talk about another podcast that could possibly be better than this one. Oh, no, I said it. It's possible. The fans of history, anyone who is a fan of history, will definitely like the History of Ancient Greece podcast by Ryan Stitt. Yeah, he is amazing. I've been following the podcast since it started, and now he has done more episodes than we have. He is like a machine. I, I, I envy how he just consistently podcasts and gets them out there. Very good episodes. A lot of good information. He packs a lot of information in there, too. It's definitely an excellent podcast. He started uh, before we started uh, in, in the ancient years, So, but he has gone chronologically up till the last episode episode 95 is 425 bc so if you're into the history of ancient greece you should definitely listen to that podcast i definitely agree so how about us the 70s who doesn't love the 70s oh the 70s sideburns bell bottoms Richard Nixon, I'm not a crook. Well, he didn't do much compared to your current president. But that's another question. Farrah yeah. Fawcett, Charlie's Angels, Happy Days, Laverne, and Shirley, The Exorcist. Uh, hey, do you Exorcist. know Father Karras was from Scranton? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah? Is that the only famous uh, fictionary person from Scranton? Uh, there's probably a couple. I have a couple I could. That's a whole other. I'll do a podcast on it someday. Amazing. There are two more great things that came out of the 70s. Star Wars and me. I was thinking you were probably came out of the 70s. You know my other favorite thing from the 70s? No, what's that? The Swedish supergroup ABBA. Oh, yeah. They mm -hmm. won the Eurovision Song Contest in 1974. There you go. Everybody loves ABBA. So let, let's start then. 1970, the Vietnam War... Stuff is going on. Uh-huh, all that, but we're going to really talk about the 670s BC, I guess, right? Because I'm 
we're really into deep history. Oh yeah, I thought we had done like 5000 episodes and actually hit the <laughs> nine, 1970s. But we are just oh, in episode 92. Yes, episode 92. So what is there to talk about in the 670s BC then? There's a, a lot to talk about Assyria and Ezra Hayden in the 670s because there's a lot going on there and there's a lot of there's a good amount of information on that topic. Okay, so, as um, a non-native English speaker, I have to ask, was that the right pronunciation of the Assyrian king in English? You know, I was. we must be on the same wavelength, because as I was saying, and I, whenever I write it, read it, I say Ezar Hayden, but I'm pretty, it's probably Ezar Haddon, because it's got two Ds and an A. So it's probably Ezar Haddon. British people say Ezar Haddon. It's, of course, uh, none of us will use the right pronunciation because the, the true name is something very different. But in Swedish, we say Esarheddon. I think you said it correctly. I don't think so. <laughs> I will try to say Esarheddon every time I say it because we're going to be saying it, saying it a lot. Okay, whatever we are saying, we are referring to the Assyrian king. Correct. The Assyrian king Esarheddon. Or something so, yeah, there's a lot of information on him. And I'll tell you, some of these scholars that I did a lot of research, they're so they're just so smart. And sometimes they just, I don't know, they sound like they're talking to each other. So I'm going to try to, we're both going to try in our conversation here to get this out here so for lay people, standard history fans like us, so we can really understand the story because it's a really good story. The 670s have a lot going on. Um, I just want a quick shout out to... Uh, she doesn't know she's my friend, but I think she's fantastic. Karen Radner, she's an Assyriologist, and she is um, great. So I used a lot of the stuff on Assyria from her. Okay. So we should probably catch up on some of the other areas before we get into Assyria, because there is a lot on Assyria. Yeah, and we'll, get back, we'll get back to Assyria in uh, another episode in the 670s BC, because That's right. a lot of other things are happening in the world. Yes, so our old buddy Gyges is still alive. He's extending his kingdom in Lydia to make it a big military power. I think you've, there's some other things you found about Gyges, right? A really, really big thing, which is probably not correct. But this is the <laughs> first mention of the invention of money, the invention of coinage and some people actually credit this to Gyges, or at least to his reign. And this is where money shows up for the first time, but it is probably a little bit later. Uh, yeah. the, the Lydians make the first coins out of electrum. Uh, it's a natural occurring alloy of gold and silver. Hmm. And they get the brilliant idea to make coinage, to make an item of exchange that you can actually, that has a standard value. And this is a gigantic invention. And it happens probably a little bit later than this, but I wanted to talk about it here. Because we did talk about ancient exchange uh, in a very early episode of Fano History. And the interesting thing there was that there was no coinage. But now there are coins. I mean, that... Coinage and, and money is, I don't think, because today we're so used to it, people don't realize. I mean, like you said, you did in a previous episode, you'd have to exchange a cow or a chicken or 
sheep or your work. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like um, we you podcast, somebody gives you an exchange from their money. They do work, and that's what money is. Money is basically your labor put into something that you believe has value, which is yep. really interesting. You had some sort of standardized metal weights and stuff earlier, but this is actual coins and the coins out of Lydia will uh, then become the Greek coinage and the Roman coinage, the, the, the Seleucid coinage, the Parthian coinage everything comes from this invention in Lydia except coins in China which are quite different but we'll talk about them when they appear mm-hmm. I mean yeah, you could probably make a whole podcast on money the, I I mean, money will. is a only human beings could have, could have money. You know, uh, chimpanzees don't exchange money. I mean, lions don't exchange money. That's one of the things that because we believe in money. In other words, there's not a real thing, right? Especially like paper dollars. A hundred dollar bill. It's a piece of paper, but to us, it's worth there, whatever hundred dollars is. Yeah, there's this mutual agreement which only a state can make possible that. Everybody recognizes the value of these Lydian coins in Lydia, and then it spreads. Right. Yeah, imagine uh, capitalist lions using coinage that <laughs> <laughs> say, hey, can you hunt for me? Here, here's some coins. <laughs> oh. I know, right? And they would just have to give you like, well, here's a gazelle, because I don't have coins, but I caught a gazelle. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll get back to coinage when it spreads. Okay, for sure. And then um, our friend Manasseh, probably pronounced him wrong too, sorry. He's still king of Judah. He'll make it through the 670s. I mean, we know everybody doesn't make it through the end of all of our... At some point, everybody goes, right? But they might make it through each podcast. So Manasseh makes it through the 70s. A reign that is longer than 10 years is noteworthy in these ancient times. I I wanted to follow up a little bit on him because I did some more... I'm always interested in... You know, ancient, the Old Testament, th- things like that. And I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Because of it's part of our 
Christianity. People talk about it a lot, so they really make him as an example of somebody who did evil in the eyes of God and then was redeemed. Um, one of the things they say is that he, he passed his son through the fire. He, he practiced soothsaying and divination. He consulted necromancers. And um, he did much that was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And um, he also placed an image of Asherah that he made in the house, which the Lord had said to David and his son Solomon, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen from all the tribes of Israel, will I establish my name forever. Which means he put, you know, statues of the other gods, especially Asherah in the temple. And Asherah, you know who Asherah was? Is that one of the Phoenician gods? Well, kind of. Like, they're all sort of mixed up. But Asherah was Yahweh's consort, his wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a no-no today. We don't say Yahweh had a wife. No. No, but he used to have a wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't read the Old Testament too thoroughly because you will have questions. Mm, yes, indeed. And passing through the fire, that's thought of as child sacrifice. And it's possible that the Canaanites, the Phoenicians at this time, did burn their children. And they say in these bronze statues, um, like of a bull or of their god. Um, and Moloch is his name. And they would say they would put babies or children into these you know, fires and burn them. But oh. <laughs> it's possible. So here's the thing. Um, first of all, it's passing through the fire. So I don't know how you pass through. I guess you pass through into death. But where it possibly comes from is the Carthaginians, who were, you know, originally Phoenicians. They yeah. they pretty much did practice child sacrifice, so that may be where they get it from. They they may have actually done it. The thing about for me with Manasseh is that they said he passed his first son through the fire, his firstborn. That would be the you know the crown prince. That that doesn't. I don't know. That seems odd to me. But yeah, who knows? I mean, we know that I think it is uh, it's a fact now that the Carthaginians actually did practice child sacrifice. Yes, uh, it, it was thought for a long time to be Roman propaganda, but there is now archaeological evidence of it. That is correct. I do. I, I think right around the you know the Punic War times when there was under a lot of stress, they found some cemeteries with lots of sacrificed children. That's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. It's hard to even like. Oof. I don't know. Well, I mean, even the Greeks, though, right? Who was the who was within Agamemnon sacrificed his daughter before the Trojan War? That was a long time before this, though. It was. It was true that. So anyway, I just think that they use Manasseh, the priestly writers later on. They use Manasseh as an example of not to, not to dis, um, disobey God. And yeah, we we know that the uh, Old Testament is a pretty good historical source after 884 BC, but uh, a lot better than they thought originally. I talked about that before, but uh, the um, the faith in Judah it's complicated. Uh huh. Indeed. Yeah, and most of these things are written when the Jews are in exile in Babylon. And they tend to maybe change the past a bit sometimes, possibly. I'd say so. I think that's probably the case. I, I don't want to step much further out onto yeah. this uh, fall bridge. <laughs> Let's not. 
<laughs> they also say, I mean, I know we talked about it too, but I still want to dig into it. They say, was Manasseh taken to Babylon? And that's where he, you know, um, realized he was going to you know, be in trouble. So he repented to God and everything. But I, I don't see any. First of all, they wouldn't, I don't see why they would take him to Babylon. They would have taken him to Nineveh. I mean, I guess when they wrote this, they didn't have the internet like we do, so they couldn't look up, and they just figured Babylon was the same as Nineveh. But I don't see that they, that they, anything like that. I mean, the one, here's the part I like, though, how they say, because this tells you what they did do to people in those days. It says in the Bible. So the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. And then... um. You find pictures of where they, you know, the king would they put the, pretty would pull them in by the nose with a, like a bull, sh- bull bull earring and pull these kings from other places around. But I mean, if and we talked about this before, I mean, you look at the Assyrian Empire around this time, and then there's like little Judah still its own kingdom. So I he probably was quite a butt kisser on Manasseh, but I can't say I blame him. Well, he probably has to be a butt kisser to avoid being totally assimilated by the Assyrians. I mean, seriously. Like uh, what happened to Israel. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, if anybody sees, finds anything different about that. Um, also, the Esarhaddon uh, is in Babylon, is in Babylon, right? For some of the time. So maybe it was when he was in Babylon. It seems, I don't know. I think he was pretty busy in the 670s. We're going all the way to Babylon, then bringing over Manasseh. They were to send him over to Babylon. He was building, rebuilding it, I know, but um, but there's see, there's also uh, Ezra Haddon has a prison prism where he says, uh, "I commanded the kings from the region of Hadi as well as the areas from the other side of the Euphrates, including Balu, king of Tyre, Manasseh, king of Judah, blah 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 blah, a total of twenty two kings from Hadi, the seashore, and islands. All of them were given the difficult task." of transporting building materials to my palace in Nineveh, the city over which I am king. So that may be where they got that because, you know, having an empire has got its benefits. Benefits is you got to get stuff from everybody. So they he needed all these building materials and he had them come from all over the empire and the yep. client states. And it was their responsibility to transport them, which was, you know, they were in trains and trucks. Yeah, and this prism is also interpreted as proof of uh, the Assyrian dominion over Cyprus. Yes, because that would yeah. be the, one of the islands. Yeah, the, the only island that mattered. Yeah, that's a big island. But there was a lot of, um, I also read there was a lot of, um, you know, little kingdoms on, the, on that one little island. Yeah. We did uh, an episode on uh, uh, Cyprus on the Fan of History YouTube channel where you can learn more about the history of Cyprus during uh, the uh, up till 500 BC. Have, that, have you ever been there? Uh, to Cyprus, yes. I've been to uh. Cyprus. I went there with a couple of friends when I was in my 20s. And was it? Uh, it was, uh, there was a lot of embarrassing accidents oh. and stuff. Oh, <laughs> dear. <laughs> it's another story, so I haven't right. been back. I, maybe they have forgotten about it now, but... <laughs> Dan is not allowed in Cyprus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, quite terrible. 
There was a lot of alcohol involved. I would imagine. I would imagine. Well, I was going to say I'd like to go there sometime. It's it's divided in two, isn't it? Isn't part of it Turkish and part of it Greek now? Yes, Am it's occupied by Turkey, and nobody recognizes that for the northern ah. part of uh, of Cyprus. And there is actually a very interesting place in the southeast corner of Cyprus on the Greek side uh, or the Cy- Cyprian side. You can see this uh, the ruins of a big tourist city. Uh, very close on the Turkish side. Uh, and I hear now they are rebuilding it. But uh, when I was there, it was just a ruined city, a totally empty city with hotels and beaches and stuff. Was wow. And you, you, there was a watchtower on the, on the Cyprian side. So you could like see the whole city. It was nice. weird. It was like the After Humans documentary. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe someday we'll, there'll be a fan of history world tour. We'll I, I love that, like uh, cool. History of Rome did. Like, yes. Spent two weeks with listeners going through Iraq. Yes. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, yeah. maybe, yeah, man. And then Dan can't get into Cyprus, so we'd have that issue. I don't know. We'll just, we'll just go to Greece or something. Yeah. <laughs> we'll start in Babylon. <laughs> go to, yeah. go to yeah. Nineveh. And mm-hmm. Why that'll not? Be, that'll be great. Oh, yeah. We'll, get, we'll make the news anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe our fans will bail us out. Yeah, I wish, uh, I wish all of Iraq the best. I think they can sort yeah. that out. Indeed. So where should we go next? We should go, we should mention Urartu. Because we have talked so much about Urartu. And these, this decade is really a mystery in Urartu. Because we know that the Cimmerians were giving the Urartians a, a bad time. The Cimmerians invading from the north. And the Cimmerians are occupied elsewhere, but very close to Urartu in this decade. So we don't hear anything about Rusa II, king of Urartu, son of Argishti, because he is ruling Urartu for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And somehow he's prospering. And maybe that is because Urartu is a natural fortress in many ways. And the Urartians have been building all these fortresses. They have now reoccupied. The Cimmerians have been directed elsewhere. The Assyrians are occupied elsewhere. And suddenly they are left in peace. And Rusa is rebuilding. And eventually his kingdom will survive the Assyrian Empire. I think um, when these kings go a long time, that's when it's hard to pinpoint in the decade, you know? Because they, you hear their, their, their accomplishments over 40 years, then you're not always sure when they, that they happened. But we are sure the Cimmerians are giving uh, everyone else a hard time. Everyone. They are being pressed uh, by the Sidians, who will soon enter our story. They are also horse riders from the Russian steppes. But they are maybe even worse than the Cimmerians. Mm. But for now, they are still not. Uh, in our uh, they are not within Assyrian reach Uh, but the Cimmerians have been attacking Phrygia and at some point they destroy the capital of Gordium and also maybe kill Midas if he has been around for this long yeah did he die by drinking bull's blood I think oh maybe he did but I mean, because they were attacking, and I think that he, I believe that's the, you know, that's the. There are a lot of legends about these events, but 
recently excavations or recently as leads compared to the events themselves excavations in gordium has discovered a, a layer of violent destruction and they've dated it to 675 bc hmm. circa maybe perhaps uh, there's also uh, one specific tomb in Gordium from this time. Uh, a wooden structure deeply buried, uh, containing grave goods, coffin, furniture, and other nice stuff. This is displayed in the Archaeological Museum in Ankara. And it has popularly became, uh, became known as the, the Tomb of Midas. Uh-huh. So the Phrygians are out of action and overwhelmed by the Cimmerian invasion mm. in 675 or thereabouts. I guess put them to bed, right, for now? Um, um, I was Midas. wondering about the tomb. I wonder if you, if, if you touched Midas or somebody, could, will he, could he still turn things into gold or only he was alive for that to happen? I, I think he had to use his living mana to, ah. to do that. Magic. Damn. Okay, let's right. talk about things we're not talking about. We're not talking about Tullus Hostilius. <laughs> we're definitely not talking about Tullus Hostilius. Def- definitely not. Because well, he's just a legend. He is just a legend. But let's, let's talk about the legend. Well, the legend is that he succeeded, um, uh, well, he's the, legend, he's the legendary third king of Rome. Supposedly yes. reigned from 673 to 642. He succeeded uh, Numa Pompilius. Tullus Hostilius is such a great name. Right? It's like really warlike. Right? <laughs> and of course, these, as I've said before, these early Roman kings are just pegs that the Romans like to hang things on. So they are like, why do we have all these cults? Oh, it was because of uh, uh, some king. And why do we have these uh, these military things? That they, they don't attribute them to the Etruscans or whoever taught them to do it this way. But they say, yeah, well, uh, Tullus Hostilius did it all. Right. But Rome will enter our history in uh, quite so now, 616. Oh. We will talk about Rome as an historical kingdom. Yes. I just, I just, I, I'm not going to say it, but I have to, the Tullus Hostilius, have you ever seen The Life of Brian, my Monty Python? Yes. Now, that kind of reminds me of some of those names, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's not quote that movie. No, but it's one of my favorite. <laughs> it's a great movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. Second only to the Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah, they're, they, you know, these, I, I, you gotta, uh, history fans are intelligent, wouldn't you say? Because we really, I mean, history comedians i mean they're funny comedians and you make fun of history or you know talk about the funny things that happen you really have to have a good sense of humor i think very true i think so do we have uh, other legends to talk about yeah there's another mythical king possibly possibly mythical his name is uh argius and he, according to herodotus he was one of the six predecessors of alexander the first of macedon which is not alexander the great Herodotus was, a, you know, a contemporary of his. So he, he's supposedly the first king of the ancient Greek kingdom, Macedon, and he tricked and won over his enemies with women dressed as men with wreaths. 
There, this was something that the cult of Dionysus did. It was um, like a festival. So he just, you know, performed this festival, but then they, ah, they took out their swords and then he took over. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> what what happened? What did the women dressed as men do? It was a festival. You know, I, I, I read about it and it was when I started looking this up. It was a, it was a month or so ago. It, it was a, a festival of Dionysus. Dionysus, he's the god of wine, right? Yeah, so it was fun a, and all that kind of thing. It must be so, a great festival. Yeah, so they I, I guess it was it was so it was kind of like it was more like men dressed as women. Like like Monty Python, like the uh like like Life of Brian. When remember when the guys they were like they were the guys, they were women dressed as men. It was kind of like that. <laughs> when they okay. had stoned the guy, remember? Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So and then um you know legendarily according to the legend I should say he he took over and became king of Macedon. So he's the first of the kings. Yeah. Apparently uh, him and you know maybe him and him and Hostilius were <laughs> were friends. Were friends at the time in the legendary world. The like uh, the way to uh, one way to discover that uh, the the stories don't ring true, it's more apparent with uh, the Roman kings than the kings of Macedon, but it's somewhat present there as well, is the, the length of the reigns. The Roman kings ruling from uh, for almost 250 years, oh. they, it's sort of the, the longest living kings in history. Look at seven kings; they they don't last that long, right? But every single one of them has a long reign. Tullus has thirty-one years, and that that's not that's not present in very many real dynasties, right? And I think this is uh, also relates to the Macedonian early kings, right? It's like a thing in in, in history. I mean, at this time, these people were civilized, and they're becoming civilized. They're ama- they're amazed, almost impressed with their fact that they are civilized. We're so used to being civilized, but you know, we find a lost tribe once in a while. But you had lost you had tribes like this. You know, basically live people living like hunter gatherers and things like that all around. So the civilized people, I wonder, how do we become civilized? And then they made up these stories about you know these kings. I mean, you have even you know Methuselah and. In in the Old Testament, these guys live eight hundred years. I'm pretty sure the Chinese had kings that lived, you know. Yeah, I think the yellow yellow emperor lives for a few hundred years at least. They made a long time in those days. Well, so uh, what about Greece? So, I couldn't find a lot that I can nail down dates in the six seventies. Obviously, things are going on. So, what I I think you might have found some other things. I'm not sure about what I have is that um, we know about the Olympics. The second Mycenaean War that we talked about in the 680s is still going on because we know that lasted about 20 years and started in the 680s. Yeah. Uh, I do have a list of the Olympic the Olympic winners. 676, the, pentath- the pentathlon was won by Philombrotus. Philo- Philo- Good old Phil. Yeah, we'll just call him Phil. Where was he from? He was from Sparta. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Stadion. I bet I could pronounce that. Calisthenes. Oh, maybe they invented calisthenics after him. Calisthenes. <laughs> maybe. Also Sparta. 
Uh, that's 676. And then uh, 672, we have the stadium is Eurobates, or it could be called Eurobotos. He's from Athens. Oh, good work, uh-huh. Athens. And Phil won the pentathlon again in 672, so he's, he, he's, still, he's still at the peak of his game. Wow, looking good, Phil. Yeah, good old Phil. He didn't get killed in a war in the last four years either, so that's probably good news for him too, obviously. Obviously, he's probably prioritizing training over the Mycenaean War. Yeah, sounds like <laughs> But the fact that the uh, Spartans are preoccupied with the Mycenaean War uh, d- do have uh, repercussions when we talk about Phaedon. Phaedon is the, the Lord of Argos. And he is establishing the traditional supremacy of the of Argos in the Peloponnese. And the, uh, the Argos is the traditional enemy of Sparta. Which one is the biggest Dorian state with these Dorian warriors? And now it's Argos. And Phaedon becomes very historical when he uh, actually takes over the Olympics. Oh. And it's very unclear when this happens. And I'll talk a little about a bit about that soon. But uh, the the Olympics have been run by the Eleans, the the people living close by to Mount Olympus. Okay. But now the Pisetans are made responsible for the Olympic festival, hmm. and this is all an act of Phaedon because these are his pals. I see. It's a little unclear which Olympiad this happens. It could be that uh, it happens in 672 is the first Olympiad run by the Pisatans. Uh, that's from Strabo. But uh, Africanus tells us the, that the 28th Olympiad is the first Pisatan Olympiad. And that's in 668. Mm-hmm. Uh, Posenius reports that uh, it happened in the 8th Olympiad and that is clearly wrong but no, it could, I mean, be, it could be that he it's a misprint that he meant the 28th Olympiad also then in 668 but this happens so uh, now the, the control of the Olympiad is in the hands of the Pisatans Maybe they were starting to work on it on the, you know, in the 70s, and then he completely took it over. How does it, what does that mean that he was in charge of it? That, that somebody's running the Olympics, and uh, I bet the Pesetans are also pretty close to, the, to Mount Olympus. Uh-huh. So now it's who is getting all the glory for arranging this, uh, this great festival. Gotcha. Now it's the Pesetans, thanks to Phaedon of Argos. Right, and the Spartans are busy, so they're not. They're not really. They can't really argue with it too much. Although they're winning them. Yeah, Phil is still winning. So the Phil Spartans, still the Sparta, we can deal with Argos later. But yeah. the rivalry between Argos and Sparta is real, and it will go on for a long time. Mm-hmm. So we'll come back to that. Okay. And I think now we have to go into Assyria, but we'll do that in our next episode. I agree. All right, so the next episode, we're going to get into Assyria. There's a lot going on there. And uh, before you uh, uh, turn this off, please go to iTunes and give us an iTunes review. 
because that will make the podcast more visible. You may now also notice ads in the podcast because we have made a deal with a Swedish company called Acast. And they are now distributing the podcast and selling ads, which is good for the economy of this podcast. We Mm -hmm. also still have the Patreon. So if you like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com, fan of history, and make a donation. It's a mutual agreement. So if we make episodes, you give us money. If we don't make any episodes, we don't get any money. Please give us a little bit of money. A bucket we episode, five bucks, a couple bucks, right? Uh, 25 bucks. Please. Yes, yes. We also run a Facebook page for Fan of History, so you can go to Facebook and like it. That's also a good way of messaging us, messaging us, if mm-hmm. you uh, like to uh, speak to me or Bernie. Yes, and we do check them. My phone is broken at the moment that I'm podcasting, but by the time this podcast is out, my phone will be fixed. I hope so. I can't imagine having a uh, Oh, the whole phone. weekend I didn't have it. Oh, God. I actually spent a week without a phone uh, last uh, November, but I was in Gambia, so oh. I didn't have much use of a telephone. Yeah, it was like living in the 670s BC for me. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Except the fact that I'm Skyping with somebody over in Sweden at the moment. So. And that would be hard to do in the 670s. Indeed. Thank you. Nice to speak to you again and uh, see you soon. Yes, we will. Cheers. Cheers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fan of history. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks and see you next time.